Praise the Lord. Well, we're going on uh, the Spirit of God, and we've gone through uh, the Gospels, and now I'm going, I'm looking at the book of Acts, or uh, the actions, really. Some call it the Acts of the Apostles, but really what it is, is the actions of the Holy Spirit upon and in the lives of believers. And we saw that how in the Gospel of John last week, we saw how Jesus te- teaches us, Jesus taught us to look for and to receive the promise of the Father who would be the Holy Spirit who would come to us. If we believe the Word of God, the teachings of Jesus, his, all of His teachings was pointing us to the power and the working of the Holy Spirit whom He would send to us. Jesus said, If I do not go you will not be able to receive. If I go, it will be better for you and it will profit you. Why? Because when Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent Father, he asked Father, and Father sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. That's why Jesus says in John, I will not leave you orphaned. I will not leave you orphaned. I will not leave you by yourselves. I will send the Holy Spirit, who will be with you, be in you always. Thank God there is a king and there is a kingdom. Amen? God has a kingdom that is real. There is a real kingdom that exists. We can't see it right now, but there is, in the spiritual realm, there is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It is real. And there's a kingdom of Satan. There's a battle raging. There's a war going on where Satan is trying to come against the children of God. But God declared war upon Satan. And when Jesus went to the the grave, when he went to the cross and to the grave, it says he rose again and he conquered sin and death and Satan. You remember in the book of Genesis, chapter number 3, God created everything and then he put man, Adam and Eve, in the garden, remember? And the serpent, the devil, the lying serpent, that lying devil, the father of lies, he came to Eve, didn't he? And he, he, there's an enemy. Adam and Eve had it so wonderful. Until that father of lies, the serpent, came crawling up, came walking to them at that time, and began, he lied to them. And he got them. What was the result of his dealings? What did he come to do to Adam and Eve? To bless them? He came to steal, to kill, and to destroy, to curse them. And Adam and Eve, that represents all of us, we fell for it. We fell for it. How many of you in this place, all of us, fell for it? That's why we need Jesus. We need a Savior. Because we fell into sin. We became captive to sin. Sin has a power. There is a power to sin. Sin isn't just a little, but nobody wants to talk about sin anymore. And it's, it's, it's been erased from the vocabulary of, uh, those who are whatever, politically correct or whatever. But sin is a reality in the kingdom of God. God teaches us and tells us that sin is real. In Genesis it says, sin is lurking at your door, seeking to devour you, but we can overcome the sin. Why? Because of Christ Jesus. And so there's a battle raging where sin is trying to overtake 
the people of God. But Jesus says, the serpent will bruise your heel, but the seed of the woman will crush his head. He tries, the serpent tries to make us stumble in our walk with the Lord, tries to get us to go off course, but God says that the seed that he would send, Jesus, would crush the head of Satan. Remember in the Gospel of Luke and John, Jesus says that I saw Satan fall from the sky as lightning, and he says, I give you power to trample over all the forces of the enemy. You want to trample. God gives us power. Why? Power to defeat the one who tried to defeat you and I. And he's to this day trying to get you out of relationship, out of the blessings, out of the provision of God. Satan wants you far away from the Lord. He wants to cut your relationship off. But God says, I will give you power to overcome the serpent. I will give you power to come against all his deception and lies. Why did God send Jesus? Because he needed to be the sacrifice for our sin. But beyond that, we needed more. We need more than just Jesus taking away our sin to be our sin sacrifice. Let me explain that. Jesus is it. He's, He's our Savior and our Lord. When we come to him, our sins are cleansed. But we need something more. And I'm not saying Jesus and. Jesus is our Savior and Lord. It's by His stripes we have been healed. By His shed blood. By His stripes on Calvary that we are washed clean of sin. But there is an enemy that is still coming against us every day of our lives. And we need something more than just being washed of sin. We need a power in us to come against that Him who is coming to get us to stumble and fall and go back into that which Christ has cleansed us from. And so Jesus says, I will not leave you orphaned. Wait until you receive power from on high. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, the first account I can pose, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. We may, the Bible makes clear, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything done was done in the power and working of the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus did nothing without the Holy Spirit. Power. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're one. And Jesus made clear everything he did All the signs and wonders that he did was done in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said in John last week, we run over that. Jesus said that those who, who, who blaspheme say something in my name may be forgiven. But if they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit through whom I'm doing all this work, they may, you know, they, they will not be. And so the Lord gives us the Holy Spirit for a reason and a purpose. In Acts chapter 1, verse number 4, And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father 
had promised, which he had said, You heard of me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus told them to go and wait until you receive power from on high. Because we read in the Gospels that Jesus says that those of us who believe, those of us who call upon the name of the Lord, shall be, will be baptized, immersed, filled with the Holy Spirit to give us believers power to overcome, power to live the Gospel of Christ. We need that. And so he goes on and he says in verse number, in verse number six, and he says in verse number six, and so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it all, is it, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? They were worried about an earthly rule and an earthly reign. Jesus was trying to get them to understand that there is a spiritual realm where we need to abide. There is a spiritual power that we need beyond a spirit, a, a ruler to come and rule on a throne, which Jesus will do. But Jesus is trying to get them to understand more than looking for the king to come on a throne, you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus' priority was getting filled, getting them to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because He knows, Jesus knows, He is our Savior, He is our Lord. What He did on Calvary's cross for us was the beginning of a wonderful journey with Him. Now, because of what He done on Calvary, He is able, we are able to be open to the infilling power of the Holy Spirit to continue the work that Jesus began. To continue to do what Jesus did. That's why Jesus says, uh, you will do more than what, what I did and that, that greater works shall you do. Greater works shall you do, he says. So he goes and he says to them in verse 7, he said, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Now you remember when Jesus went to the synagogue, we talked about this. He entered the synagogue and it was given to him because that was his custom. He was known, that's where he went. He was always there. That he, he was faithful to the synagogue, to the church, to the body of believers. And remember it was handed to him and he read from the book of Isaiah. And he, see, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he went on to say, to, to heal a broken heart, to set the captives free, all that. But he stopped. He was quoting Isaiah, and he stopped at the end. He didn't finish quoting all of verse 2 of Isaiah, where it says, The day of the vengeance of the Lord. Jesus stopped of one sentence short of completing verse 2. Why? Was it missing from the manuscript? No, it was there. But Jesus says, there's a day coming when I will come again. How many of you know Jesus is coming a second time? Jesus will come a second time. And when he comes, it says he's going to come and you're going to see the scroll. The sky is going to open like a scroll. And you're going to see the Son of Man descending on a, on a horse. And on his vesture shall be written the word of God, faithful and true. And Jesus will come a second time with all of his saints to rule and to reign. Then the King of glory, the King of glory will come and sit upon his throne and will be glorified. 
That's why Jesus said that when he, when he closed up the scroll in the synagogue, he said, today this is fulfilled. But he didn't go to the day of vengeance of the Lord because it wasn't time for his second coming. It was time for his first coming as Savior, as Lord, as Lamb of God. And so when Jesus came, he came as the Lamb of God and he said, today this is fulfilled in your midst. But one day, Jesus says, wait, because one day I'm coming again in the clouds of glory and you'll see me. He said, but until then, until that time that I've I've completed the work of salvation until the day when I come again, there's a gap. There's a, there's a little void here between when Christ went to Calvary and rose from the dead and ascended. Remember, they all saw him ascending. And he says, marvel not, the angel said, just as you've seen him go in a cloud of glory with the angels all around him, so it shall be when you see the Son of Man coming again. But in the meantime, between now and then, and we don't know when, we don't know the day or the hour, Jesus says, just keep looking up, keep living by faith, keep believing, keep getting filled with the Spirit. So between the day that He came and the day that He's coming again, Jesus says, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need Him. We need that empowering of the Holy Spirit between that day and the day that Jesus comes again. And so He says... That's why he told them, it's not for you to know all that stuff. When? And so we get a lot of believers speculating on when is the Lord coming again? Well, we don't know, but he is coming. One thing we do know, he is coming. The day or the hour, I don't know. And don't let any man tell you that he doesn't know. Because the word of God says, nobody knows except Father God in heaven. But he will come again. But Jesus says, so don't worry about that when. Don't worry about the when. What you got to worry about is the now. How many of you know we got to worry about today? Right? Now, today, is, is the day that we've got to, we live, we face stuff today. And so Jesus says, but now, but you shall receive power. In verse 8, he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He says, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So we're going to receive power. Jesus says, now wait, you will receive power. And when we receive power, what are we going to, what should we do with the power of the Holy Spirit that comes into us? What should we do with Him? What should we allow, expect Him to do with us? Be witnesses. Be witnesses. Jesus is not so much concerned about us going and moving mountains and, 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 uh, you know, getting rid of our neighbors and all this other stuff. He doesn't want that. Jesus wants us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can become witnesses. What does that mean? Jesus, when he left, when he came physically and he left, but then he says, that's why he made us, he called us to be the church, the body of Christ. Because we are going to continue to declare to the world that there is a Savior and that there is a Lord. And we can only do that. We can only do that. And God knows we can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So the main reason God fills us with this Holy Spirit is to give us that ability and strength to continue to live our lives being witnesses unto Jesus. Witnesses unto our Savior and Lord. 
And he didn't say just in one little corner of the world. He said that wherever, in other words, God wants Jesus to be known in all the corners of the earth. There is no place that God does not want Jesus to be known. God wants the gospel of Christ to go into all the world, into all the earth. And so nobody would do it. The believe, I'm telling you, the believers would not go into all the corners of the earth if they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. Believers would go into their room and into their closet and say, well, I'll pray for everybody. Yes, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able. He gives us that ability and that boldness and the courage that we need. Now, some people do have a natural courage and ability, but that's not going to cut it. We need the Holy Spirit. Whether you naturally have boldness and courage or you don't, it doesn't matter. We need the Holy Spirit to make it work, to make us to be effective witnesses in the body of Christ. But you shall receive power. We said there is a king and there is a kingdom. And the power that God gives us is kingdom power. The power that comes from the king of glory. The power that comes from the kingdom of God that comes into us so that we can live as citizens, as people of the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. And the Holy Spirit, what does He bring into us too? He brings fellowship to us. Because He makes real to us. And John said, He'll make known, He'll bring into remembrance everything that Jesus said. So He brings us into deeper fellowship with Father God, with the Holy, with Jesus, and He brings us, therefore, in deeper fellowship with one another, with His church, with the, the body of Christ, who is His believers. And so that's what He, he brings us. In Acts chapter 1 verse 15, At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren. A gathering of about 120 persons were there. And he said, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide. And so he was talking here now to to, about the Holy Spirit. Again, what is he saying? He's, he's confirming that the Holy Spirit was at work, even in the Old Testament, opening people's mouths to speak of Jesus. And so what does God want us to do now that in the New Testament we're believers filled? He wants us to speak about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not ashamed of the name of Jesus. How many of you know that? The Holy Spirit is not ashamed of the name of Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to empower us with the boldness and courage to confess the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, verse number, verses 1 to 4. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And at that time, there were people from all over the world, all many different nations that were there. And the Holy Spirit comes in and fills them, all of them, not just some of them, all of them that were there. 
And they began to speak in other tongues. And it goes on to say that all these men that were around from all other places could understand what they were saying. And what were they saying? They weren't singing songs. They weren't. They weren't singing. They weren't singing any, uh, uh, you know, modern tune. They were preaching the gospel. So what these men heard, and here it is: these men of all different places. And Jesus says, "Wait until you come, be filled with the Holy Spirit." And uh, the mighty rushing wind came upon them, and here they are. Now they're being a witness to a multitude of people around them. These, these, these 120, these were in the upper room, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And what were they saying? What was coming forth but the gospel of Christ in a way that all can hear them? It was an acknowledgement to the world that Christ has got brought together a people, a church, who would give him witness, who would bear him witness. And so all these people, men of all nations, men and women of all nations, heard the gospel preached and it was a sign to them that God did something supernatural in their lives and now we can hear some good news. God is concerned about all people, all nations, the whole world. Like Billy Graham, he always used to say, God is concerned about the whole world. And that's what it is all about. God is not just now about the Jews. He's about everyone who would believe. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe should not perish but should have everlasting life. This was a tremendous sign to everyone around that area. There was a great gathering at that time because it was at the time of Pentecost. There was a great gathering. And so this was a wonderful witness to the world that God had done something supernatural in pouring out His Holy Spirit who would be with the believers, who would be witnesses unto Him that Jesus lives, that Jesus still lives, that Jesus went from heaven to earth from the earth to the grave and from the grave to the sky where he sitteth at the right hand of Father God and now he's opened heaven and poured out into our lives his power of the Holy Spirit in our life. So they became testimonies of power of what God was about to do. You understand God is about getting out the gospel because there's no... I am not ashamed of the gospel, it says... For it is the power of God unto salvation to all who will believe. So the reason God, the main reason, the main reason God gives us His Holy Spirit is to be witnesses of His name. Jesus, that He is Savior, that He is Lord. God wants the whole world saved. And they cannot be saved without coming to know Christ as Savior and as Lord. It says uh, in verse number, uh, where am I? Verse chapter 2, verse verse 4, right? <clears throat> and they all, they all heard him. They all heard him filled. Go with me to Acts chapter 2, verse number 14. And here we said, and now Peter, in Acts chapter 2, verse number 14, it says, but Peter, standing up, taking his stand, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them. And he's, he's, he's talking now to, to, to people around him, 
And he declared to the men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit upon all mankind, he says, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my spawn slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. You understand what God is, what, what God is saying here? He, he's given, he's given, quoting from Joel, where God says that he's going to pour out a spirit upon all flesh. God is doing away with boundaries. There is no more boundaries where it's just the Jews or just the Gentile. Now it's boundaries upon all flesh, upon all who will confess Jesus as Savior and Lord. He will pour forth His Holy Spirit. And we miss, we don't get a lot of this because it says back here, He says that on both men and women. you got to understand, women in those days were not even counted as being part of a religious uh, sect. They, they were, their, their status was not good. In those days, to say the least, it was not good. And for God to say, and and really it's only God, as you look through the Old Testament, God raised up women to be judges. God raised up women through whom he spoke and through whom he worked. God is the only one who raises up women of where man gives no worth or value to. God gives value and worth and raises them up. And here God says, listen, all the boundaries are being broken. All the obstacles are being smashed on both men and women. To all who believe, I will pour out my spirit. And you got to understand, the King James writers were men who were prejudiced against women. Yes, they were. You go study it and look it up. In those days, women were, were not in, in good standing. And so Jesus says, Oh, what a wonderful gospel. Jesus said, Upon men and women, both bond slaves and maid servants, men servants and maid servants, not just on the class of elite, but even if they were a servant in someone's house, if you were, even if they were a, a, a man serving someone as a servant, who gives servant status in those days? Even if she was a maid servant, a maid serving somebody, they're not excluded, Jesus said, from the infilling of my Holy Spirit. I will pour my Spirit upon them also. So God only looks for a heart that believes that will accept Christ as Savior and Lord, have their sins forgiven. And God says, I don't care who you are, man, woman, I will fill you with my Holy Spirit. This was radical. This was something new. This was something scribes and Pharisees could say, what? Woman? Maid servants? What? God said, yes. Men, women, servants, men and women servants, it doesn't matter. I will fill them with my Holy Spirit and their mouth will open. They'll prophesy. They'll give witness to me. And the Holy Spirit will bring dreams and visions to, to pass too. Wow. My goodness. Acts chapter 2, verse number 32. <clears throat> this, this Jesus... 
God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, became seated at the right hand of God. What does it mean to be seated at the right hand of God? Being seated at the right hand of God means he is a victor, a conqueror, that there is triumph in him, that he is victory. How many of you know Jesus conquered sin and death? Amen? When he went to Calvary's cross, it said he rose again and he conquered sin and death. He took from Satan the keys of life and death, the keys of death and hell. And he sat at the right hand of the Father. So it says being exalted to the right hand of of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. You see, what did, what did Jesus do when he went up there? Him and Father got together and said, Let the heavens be open, and let every heart be open, and man, man receive, believers receive the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why I can't understand, I can't comprehend how anyone could think that that was, was, is not necessary or needed. Jesus teaches that God the Father taught it. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And he says in verse number, in verse number 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Because Peter was preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Peter got filled with the Holy Ghost and he began to give a sermon. He began to preach. And the words of Peter pierced the hearts of those that were listening. Why? Because the Holy Spirit filled Peter. When a man or a woman is filled with the Holy Spirit, the words that come forth are not just words. They're anointed words. They're Holy Spirit-filled words that pierce the hearts of people. And some you would either have to close your heart, so to, or you would, or if your heart was open, it would pierce your heart. And it says their hearts were pierced, and they said, Peter, what must we do? Not what options do we have, what must we do? And Peter said to them what? Repent. Repent. How many times do I keep saying repentance is a doorway to blessing? The word of God is coming to the people, calling them to repent, to stop doing what you've been doing, to turn to the ways of the Lord, to follow the teachings of Christ Jesus. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you. I thought that said some of you. No. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. It's not baptism that is the remission of sins. That don't some people misinterpret that and they say baptism is the remission of sins. No, it is not. Baptism is the acknowledgement that you accept Christ as Lord and that you choose to follow him. It is in Christ. It is in repentance when we repent and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. I want to live for you. When you repent and ask Christ into your life, you are born again. And then the Bible tells us that we need to then make a declaration, a statement that we have chosen to follow Jesus by being water baptized, every one of you, in the name 
of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say in verse 39. Is this promise just for the, the disciples? No. It's not just for them. Because when you look at Joel, when you look at Isaiah chapter 57 or Isaiah 59, you see God says that in those days I will raise up a Savior and when they call upon His name to be saved, I will pour out my Holy Spirit upon them. He says it in Isaiah. And He says it will be for all their generations that it will be for all their generations. Not a one-time shot. Not a one-time dose. You know, it's going to be a, 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 an eternal ongoing thing. Here, he's, he's confirming what two or three other verses in the Old Testament declare. That the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time affair. It will be to every believer, whoever believes, he will, and they ask, he will fill them, pour out his Holy Spirit in their lives. And he says... For the promises to you and to your children and to all those afar off, as many of, as the Lord our God shall call. The word of God, the gospel of Christ is going out, calling everyone who hears to believe it. And to those who believe the promise of God, the promise of the Holy Spirit comes. But we must believe on the name of Jesus Christ. And so the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, yes, in those days it was a sign to the people around them that God supernaturally is doing something new, something unheard of, pouring out His Holy Spirit on men and women, filling them with the Holy Spirit, giving them, making them my witnesses, making, becoming the church of Christ. The church is called to be a living witness of, to Christ, and only in and through the power of the Holy Spirit can it be done. And, he, and, he, and, he, and again, it goes to all. And then chapter 4. Go with me to chapter 4, verse number 8. Chapter 4, verse number 8. And we see Peter. Now you remember Peter when Christ died. Remember Peter was, was, was following around. And remember he went into the courtyard of the high priest. And, and the girl came up to him and says, You're one of those who had been with Jesus. And Peter says, No, I haven't been with him. I don't know the man. And they, they, how many times? Three times they came to him. And Peter said, I don't know the man. And he even cursed. Remember, the Bible says he even cursed. Because he had not the power of the Holy Spirit in him. And he's like every one of us. None of us are greater than Peter without the Holy Spirit. So here's Peter who loved the Lord. Peter there who, was the, who, who loved Jesus, but yet he didn't have it in himself, the ability to witness for Jesus at that time. He needed something. There was something missing in his life. But once Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit of God, things changed. Old Peter was just not the same again. We are not just the same again. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we're not the same again. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't do it. We just can't do it. As much as we love the Lord, we can't do it. None of us here could say we love the Lord more than Peter did. We can't say that. We can't make that claim or statement. Peter loved the Lord. He loved Him with all his heart. Three times Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He knew that Peter loved him. It wasn't a question of love. It was a question of ability, of, of boldness, of courage, of, of the inner strength to do it. That's why Jesus says, wait until you receive power, Peter. Wait. Then you can be my witnesses. Things are going to change. Things will be a little different, Peter. 
then you can be my witnesses. That's why Peter, in chapter 4 here, is then Peter says, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. What a difference the Holy Spirit makes. Boldness and courage. He said, he's not talking to a little girl now. He's talking to rulers of, with authority. Men who can, who, who can have him arrested, beaten and slain. He didn't care anymore. Remember, the little girl was saying, you were with him. And he, I don't know the man. He ran. Now it's not a little girl. Now it's the rulers of the, of the area. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, gets a boldness and courage that comes only through the Holy Spirit. And he says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not in there. That's in there for a reason and a purpose. Because Peter here is a new man. He's a new creation in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel... If we are examined today on a good work for an infirm man, he goes on to say, blah, 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 but go down to verse, verse number 12. Go down to verse number 12. And he says, he's going to basically telling them that there's no, that, that Jesus is Savior and Lord. That there's no other way. In verse number 12, this is, he's continuing here, and he's saying to the rulers and elders, and there is salvation in no other one, meaning Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We quote that verse. But Peter, under the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit, boldly rises up, looks the rulers and elders of Israel in the face, and begins to preach to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he tells them straight out, no ifs, ands, or buts, there is no other way. That Jesus alone is Savior and Lord. That if you want to have salvation, you must go through the name of Jesus. And the rulers and the, and the authorities didn't want to hear that. Because they, want, they had other ways, they thought, of getting to God. By sacrifice and other things. And, and millions of uh, laws and rules to abide by. You know, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, it became a witness unto the gospel of Christ, unto Jesus. And he says, there is no other name. He wasn't ashamed. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And again, he makes very clear to the rulers and the elders that there is no other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And in Acts chapter 4, verse number 31... And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together, the believers, was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. You see, we want to get filled with the Holy Spirit to say, Oh, if I get filled with the Holy Spirit, I can go uh, work signs and wonders and miracles. I'm not making fun of that. That is good. But the purpose, the our main purpose, the reason of being filled with the Holy Spirit, above all other things, the main reason, above all other things, is to preach the gospel. Proclaim the word of the Lord with boldness, to declare Jesus as Savior of, and Lord. Everything else is secondary. I'm telling you, people can be healed, and they'll, they'll walk away, and they, they'll never enter into heaven. But when someone gets filled with the Holy Spirit, hears the gospel, repents of their sin, and becomes a new creation in Christ, there is nothing greater than that. That is the greatest miracle of all, is a new person coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ. 
And so the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to make us witnesses to preach the Word of God. It doesn't mean you're going to be a preacher or a pastor or whatever. It means that wherever you are in this world, whatever status you are, wherever you are, on your job, it doesn't matter that you have what will be given. God will open an opportunity for you to share the, the gospel of Christ with someone because it is the gospel through the working of the Holy Spirit in you, the word that comes forth that will bring people to salvation, the saving faith in Jesus. And the, the, where it says here, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The words there in the Greek doesn't mean an initial filling, because they were filled. They did, in the upper room, receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible here, the word here, where it says all filled, it means all filled anew or afresh. And so there is, there, the Bible teaches us that we need to, uh, to be refreshed and refill just like you you drive your car and your car your car's got gas in it it goes when it runs out of gas you need to put more gas in it right and so the bible here tells us that that they were refreshed or renewed with the infilling of the holy spirit how many of us pray on a daily basis holy spirit fill me afresh and anew why do we need to be filled afresh and anew on a daily basis? It's not, again, it's not a one-shot thing where we forget about it and say, ah, that was happened years ago. I don't need to ask God to fill me afresh anymore. No, God forbid. No, because there's every day that we wake up, every day that we go out the door of our home, or even if we stay home, every day there's a continuing need to live for Jesus. A continuing need to draw from the power and the strength of the Most High God who loves us and gave Himself for us. There's a continuing need. We need that strength. We need that to be uh, refurbished, to be uh, uh, all things, to withstand the pressures of the day. And so often we go, we go, we go, and we quote the Word of God, and we quote the Word of God, and we need to do that. We need to do that. We need to quote the Word of God, but we need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh and anew and quote the Word of God. Because when the Holy Spirit is in us, what does the Bible say in John? He'll bring to remembrance everything that Jesus said. That's the Word. He is the Word of God. And so we go about life quoting the Word of God, quoting the Word of God, which is good, which we need to do. We cannot stop speaking the Word of God. But unless we have the infilling and refreshing power of the Holy Spirit within us, then when we quote the Word of God, then when we speak it over our our family or our lives or our situation, there's an anointing power that breaks yokes, that breaks chains, that, that changes things, that makes everything different. So get filled, get filled with the Holy Spirit afresh and anew. I'm not saying you're not filled. Get filled anew and afresh every day. When I'm in there in the morning, I pray, Lord, fill me afresh and anew. Holy Spirit, come and fill me anew and afresh. I need it. I need Him. I need His power. I need His wisdom. I need all that He has. And that's why Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans. Wait until you receive power. But it's not again. Don't think it's a one-shot deal. You know? I got inoculated back in 19-something, so I don't have to worry about anything anymore. No, thank God that you did receive that back then. But every day, we need to depend upon the Holy Spirit of God. He is real. He is real. And so we need Him on a daily basis. I'm just going to end right there today. 
But we see from the Word of God. I'm not making this up. It's from the Word of God. Jesus points us to the Old Testament says, The day is coming when the Redeemer shall come, and all who repent and believe on Him, I will pour out My Spirit upon them for their generations to come. And in Acts it says that this was was for their children and children's children and as far off, meaning as long as as long as this world is going to exist, everyone who comes to believe on Christ will get filled with the Holy Spirit. But we need him on a daily basis. Please, please don't cut him out of your daily life. The word declares we need him. Does it show that we're weak? Yeah, without God, I'm weak. Without the Holy Spirit, who am I? Without Christ, who am I? What kind of fuel am I running on? But we need, we need the Holy Spirit. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to enable us. Praise the Lord. Can we just stand for a minute? And I just want you to pray to God. Right now, in your own words, just take a minute and you just pray. And ask God to fill you afresh with the Holy Spirit. He, He is He is a person. He is real. Ask God, Holy Spirit, you pray. Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, come afresh in my life. Come afresh in me. Empower me anew and afresh. Give me the wisdom and all I need, Holy Spirit. Give me, come into my life anew and afresh today. This is the Word of God. This is God's will for you. This is God's Word to you. And we must ask Him. Just you go ahead. Just ask Him for the whole, for the infilling, to fill you afresh and anew.